Despite numerous warnings and crimes, this man fooled many and randomly murdered five. Welcome to True Crime 49. In the territory of Alaska, many people applied for the homesteads. Now the early 1930s when the world was in fact what you made of it. Two men with neighboring plots of land realized they were running out of time to make the promised improvements on the empty acres of woods. But there are so many distractions in such a modern world and in the days after the deadline, they waited for the government to come browbeating them as rascals and take the lonely tract of woods for themselves. But they never did. Someone had been making improvements on the land. Muddy boots slopping in one spot, pushing down in the soup, looking for something. And out of the mud bleats a strong vein of cold, clear water moving like a glass snake in the muck. The hunkered-over shadow is piling a few old rocks together and lights a small candle. As the sun is slipping into the deep blue, he walks away from the spring of water, looking back at the flickering candle, remembering its exact location against the black and blue lay of the land in the night. He is a very short distance away when the light is obscured, proving that it is hidden in a quiet depression. The shadow laughs, ha ha, in Russian, and does a little jig almost clicking his heels. He had found it, the blind spot for the alcohol still. Drafted into World War for Russia, he had made it all the way here and he was like Adam, tending to this Eden alone. If money was water, he was now a very wealthy man. Things would be moving along quite fine. When you're a criminal amongst criminals, you got nobody to run to. You have each other. Creating gestures and insinuations because the object of the game is to break the rules. You need a guy to move your clinking bottles. The cabbie. He nods at the doorman when he's helping the drunk store owner into the car. He nods to the store owner as the girl gets into the cab. He nods to the girl when the man is getting what he asked for in the back of the car. Racking up his slippery dollars one by one. And puts his treasure into a sack with holes in it. He is moving the bottles with ease. Maybe too easily out of sight. The witnesses in the cabin were surprised, not at the scuffle starting in the other room. It was becoming a beating. Then the pistol shot. The cabbie dying whisked away to the next world. The still would be cold and empty now. The streets had dubbed him the Russian Jack. But it had all slipped away, and the fat cats chuckling as they finally raked in all the chips while Russian Jack watched from the jail cell bars. The city had her for a while, sliding in their survey stakes for the first cut. They lied to us again, shamelessly unveiling World War II. Are we really that ridiculous? The War Department sequestered her for his own harem, 
Those tender springs were the justification. It was over before they knew it. She was untouched, thankfully, and the powers that be out of boredom or witchcraft decided to use those pure springs of life and brought in convicts and cleared potato and cabbage lanes and grew rumply carrots. Drunken in public makes a four-week servant growing food for the penal system on the little prison farm, smearing their own muddy boots into this perverted little Eden. Unable to pronounce his name, locals simply called the pool hall proprietor Russian Jack. Alaska, in the early 1920s, Russian Jack had a land permit to harvest lumber on homestead properties. While exploring the 320 acres, he found clean, crisp springs, a perfect place to make his moonshine, squirrel juice as he liked to call it. His pool hall was known for women and booze. By 1933, Alaska was no longer dry, prohibition a thing of the past, and Russian Jack, now a carpenter living in downtown Anchorage. Five years later, he would overstay his welcome at a lady's home and be thoroughly thrashed by Milton Hamilton, a taxi driver who bloodied his face and busted out a couple of Russian Jack's teeth. There are conflicting stories of what occurred next, except that Mr. Hamilton was shot by the Russian, dying instantly. The land the bootlegger had homesteaded was seized in 1943 by the U.S. military for access to the Hidden Springs. After the war, the land was sold to the local government, where they made a prison farm. The farm had used no fences and minimum security for predominantly drunkards to serve out their 30 or 60-day sentences. In 1958, the multi-use land, no longer holding the prison farm, had developed Nordic ski trails, a Girl Scout day camp with future ideas of developing a glamour spot, adding botanical gardens, camper parks, and a golf course. At Russian Jack Springs Park and Golf Course, around holes 7, 8, and 9, is where prisoners once grew potatoes from bootlegger springs. The world, and all of the stuff we see, is old. In fact, so are we. But when it is our turn and we have this time beneath the sun, it's easy for us to wake up from this genetic slumber and walk around claiming eyes on your new world. Your great-great-grandmother's deeds completely forgotten and washed away. She had knelt praying and crying for you. Plenty of time to look into the future back then. Each time when it's our turn, we take color-chrome snapshots in our mind and we try to keep them for as long as we can. This beautiful thing we see on the lens every once in a while, it sprays out a rainbow. And sometimes, a very dark hole. Waking into this world, he already despised it. The noisy little lambs always laughed, and they could swerve all together at once, the signals they must share. And they would give each other such soft, tender nuzzlings, he was always forgotten. He'd learned to play his part, never learning to love it. We can wash ourselves and arrange our closet and our face and walk out each morning new in this time beneath the sun. But the ever eye still sees you and your grandma the same. It sees the blood on his shoes. Spurts had sprayed up on the leg quite far a couple of times, stomping. Long washed away in this world. 
his hands coated in the deviant's wax, and his mind windblown, the coarse sandstorms of fantasies and scenarios, having worn down the human to a nub. This man is standing in the bicycle shop. His costume is not quite perfect, but people are supposed to be polite, sweep little things under the rug. And in the age of Sir Richard Simmons, they unveiled the McRib. He was standing looking at the bike when the salesman came up. The man knew exactly which bike he wanted. He was staring at it. He was very specific. He insisted on the cargo basket and the bell next to his thumb, the heavy lock cable and the momentum of the sale when the tempo demanded it. The salesman says the price and lift his hand above the till like a turkey. Head, beak, eyes locked on the double white button labeled cash sale. When the guy pulled out the money, the salesman raised his eyebrows. This guy had swerved on him. It felt odd. The sales clerk made sure that he had the man's full name on the receipt and filed it securely. Who knows? Could get stolen. That blue pearl bike is beautiful. The University Medical District in Anchorage, Alaska is on four-laned Providence Drive. Two universities, hospitals, doctor's offices, and a library if you take a left on UAA Drive. With Alaska Psychiatric Institute, 2900 Providence Drive, and McLaughlin Youth Center to the right. While it is convenient for the students of the University of Alaska Anchorage to take the bus to the local university mall for work or necessities, it is also the same bus that takes day pass inmates of McLaughlin and API. Right up the road is Goose Lake and East Anchorage High School, with Russian Jack Park directly on the other side. By the 1980s, there were multiple amenities added to the park, making it ideal for two young men to set up temporary residence. Joseph Dean Kimmler and Vern Sylvester, also known as Dean and VJ, had come to Anchorage from the town of Kenai. 158 miles away. The town had just over 4,000 residents. The boys had gotten a small apartment that they endured during the winter months with a couple of other roommates. When the temperatures weren't as cold in the evenings, the 19-year-olds set up a brand new tent in Russian Jack Park. There were plenty of developed camping locations throughout the park, as well as populated trails that people were eagerly using as May approached, bringing spring with it. Do you remember the Maytag man? Feet propped up, half asleep. Let's put him somewhere he can do some good. In fact, you want to see him sing for his supper? Imagine all the facilities it takes to run the human emotion machine. You need power and power lines. I'll skip over plumbing and waste. You can do stuff now, so what? Do you know how many departments it takes to see a person, hear them, process what you saw and heard, and then compare that to how you feel about the person lately? Here's where Mr. Maytag comes in handy. He's brought his brown lunch sack, and he has an excellent attitude. They give him artistic license to design this department. He sits at his desk brainstorming, how do I feel about you lately? They arrive the next morning and see he'd never went to his hotel. He'd stayed here all night. He's tightening a few screws that wobbled loose over the last two hours. When you guys came in, I wanted to have my feet up just for laughs, but I should have went with my gut. The book says eight pounds of torque on those tungsten nuts, but I knew it was twelve. He had rigged up a front-loading dryer, taken the door off, and lined the entire inside with the old-fashioned 
Fisher-Price xylophones. The one with the rainbow painted metal bars you hit with the little hammer thing. The one scientist is looking at the computer. It's working. Perfectly, he says. The thing sends us one ping-pong ball at a time. Okay, here comes one now. The ball flies into the spinning drum, hits a few bars before it peters out. Here's the thing. The purple one and the dark violet one are bad ones. You get too many of those in a row, the person pops. They freak out. There are a couple left in there, but only if the person treats you bad. Do we sneak one of the purple ones back in every once in a while? They do a test run. A mom, three kids, out shopping, small fender bender in the parking lot, ice cream after. All the music was warm, fun tones. There was a light purple when we went shopping. No big deal. During the accident, one light purple and one dark violet one. Ice cream with the kids was really moving to listen to. You could hear laughter from inside the drum. No one could begin to explain that one. That's a different department. It's working. Next test. The next test was a Pollock fisherman. Test normal. We'll just leave it at that. They loaded up the next one, and it all came apart. The thing shot in way too many balls. The sound was frightening. The Maytag man hit the big red button. Instant stop. All functions. The Maytag man was afraid. Could he have just killed someone? He looks all around and he puts his head into the silent drum of pool balls spilling out onto the floor. His body then selecting the proper settings and positions for each individual part of his face. His emotion machine is still working flawlessly. He looks green. The corners of his eyes are drooping and he has to go to the bathroom soon. The metal bars in this drum are purple, violet, violet, purple an orange one every once in a while. At rough estimate, they are almost all purple and dark violet. Mr. Meech is riding a bicycle, a Valkyrie, renegade, thunderbike, flawless. It's time to exact the judgment. Who will deserve the next judgment? Coasting down the hills on the bike path nearing the campsite, he licks his lips. Who can know the waters from the waters as they boil over the waterfall? One thing is for certain. The Valkyrie is an eyepiece of a telescope. A telescope locked and staring into the darkness of Mr. Meech. Looks nothing like the blue pearl bike to us, but to Mr. Meech and in the wet soupy mess he keeps behind his eyes. He is a sight to behold. The Avenger, exactor of judgment, beautiful and glinting in the light, all waiting behind his eyes. But when it always comes down to it, passing in the alley or his bar stool gone in the titty bar, when he comes back from the john, he always looked down and shy away. He had been drinking years back. There were other people there for a time, but then it was just him and the other guy. 22 years old in 1973, they didn't use the term special needs or fetal alcohol syndrome for that matter. He had been born into this new world, not knowing all the things that had happened to create his inheritance. Mr. Meech swayed on his legs, and he wasn't looking down. He was staring at the other guy, and he hated the man's hair even as he stared at the jelly pot behind the hair, and he started kicking it in. 
When the thing was over, breathing heavy, the blood dripping down from him as if to return to his owner. To be christened on by the warm red sprinkling on your face as you're gurgling and choking in blood. It was cruel tears from his eyes because he couldn't even call out for his mama. In the early 1970s, Charles Meach relocated from his home state of Michigan to Anchorage. He had been in trouble back home, too much drinking and drugs, which led to the assault of several people. When he didn't face charges, he decided to start fresh in Alaska. He entered university, started working, and had dreams of joining the Army. In 1973, 22-year-old Alaska native Robert Johnson was employed as a bagger at a grocery store. Robert was mentally challenged. Working and having a little more freedom was a big step for him. His body was found at Earthquake Park, so brutalized it was hard to determine what caused his injuries. Meech confessed to the authorities when questioned, saying he was intoxicated. He didn't like the kid. He was falling behind at university. He wasn't accepted in the army. His truck was vandalized, and a sexually transmitted disease were all stressors. Charles Meech was institutionalized, not charged, spending two and a half years in California rehabilitating. While some doctors found him aberrant, the most dangerous patient, others noted the reformed Meech was capable of returning to society. He was allowed to transfer back to Alaska. Mr. Meech is close to the tent. At this point, his heart is fast but very steady, and for that moment, he's getting one ping ball at a time, perfectly with every heartbeat. He runs to the tent, and he unzips and rips away the flimsy, silky fabric, and he scrambles in, his legs oafish, coming in after him. Institution in the nervous hospital, they find a lot of things in the bed sheets. After a while, you can let your eyes sweep over almost anything, and you didn't really see it. They found his papers. He had made a tutorial on how the law was structured and how to get off on murder, on insanity, and how miraculously you can be healed once you are in the nervous hospital. He scrambles in and he's digging through the stuff of a voyeur's treasure. The 19-year-old man was surprised when he heard noises from inside the tent and they locked eyes and he froze. Meech looked at him and did nothing. But when the young man turned his head toward the invisible goat trail towards his friends, Mr. Mead shot him in the back of the head. He already knew about the trail. He'd been watching every chance he could get. He's off the charts now. Sublime. He feels he's floating faster towards the other one now. He's running up the trail, his friend now coming down to help whatever it is. And Mr. Meech made no impression. Running away from a gunshot, he turned as they passed each other. Sometimes it stings to be that clever. And shot the man in the back of the head as he was running down to help his friend. He is running faster now. He can't believe it. Through the trail, each step feels like forever. He is in fast motion. And he first sees a glimpse of honeysuckle through the sticks. Rachel Phillips and Sabrina Imlek were 16-year-olds and best friends. 
Sabrina's grandparents, devoted to the growing town of Anchorage, started Ark of Anchorage, a special needs resource, as well as devoting many hours to the homeless through Beans Cafe, our brother Francis' shelter. She was even voted Homemaker of the Year in 1954 for being able to feed her 15 children and just about everybody else. Sabrina's mother, one of the 15 children, would have cancer shortly after giving birth and Sabrina would be an only child. Rachel was as close as a sibling as she had. When Sabrina's 17th birthday arrived, the parents had agreed to let the girls go to the movies with VJ and Dean. The Imlux had let the boys stay at their property for a few days, but the devoted Catholic home and the antics of the young men weren't a good match. Dean and VJ arrived to pick up the girls for their birthday movie date. As the temperatures dropped, the four teens stopped by the tent to pick up a couple of jackets. The salesman at the bicycle shop heard the door chime. Amped up with the sale, chomping his gum and cracking his knuckles, he winks at the bikini girl on the counter, about to round the corner. Calm face, unassuming eyes, love them in. It's a bull cop. He stutters while he loads up the right character, switching from thirsty hunting grounds to hiding in plain sight. It's a perfect delivery. The cop chuckles. There's a hidden compliment slipped under the strip of bacon in the appetizer. The cop gets serious and looks him in the eyes and says, We're looking for info on a guy with the blue bike. It's got a few features that might be. The salesman lifts up his finger in the cop's face. He turns, looking away, immediately into the drawer. Divines the exact location of the card he wanted. It is instantly before his face and he is reading the stuff of the receipt. 27-inch frame, heavy lock cable, basket with the flap, dinger bell next to the thumb, blue pearl. Now the cop almost stutters. I got his address. He was at 2900 Providence Drive. The Anchorage staff granted Meech day passes to resume his college studies and get a job. He worked at Sears, scoring very well in many categories, including mental stability. It seems like this was the turnaround. He recited poetry and had an active Merrill Lynch portfolio. But while jogging on the university track, he noted to a woman that running was thrilling like robbing a bank or raping a woman, adding, I've never robbed a bank. He is moving through time like honey. Running feet, a pop. Running feet, a pop. You could hear it coming up through the trees in the Russian jack. When they saw him coming into view, he was running straight, sometimes on the trail, sometimes not, perfectly straight, towards the two girls. They were only 16 years old. Perfect from the distance of his hiding spot, oh, he'd watched. But he had a very specific way he wants things done. The one girl? She made the smallest of gestures with her arm, barely noticeable. Her arm was straight, pointing down, and he saw it move a fraction, naive instinct alone. And she had said, through the terror, to her friend, Stand behind me. And she ruined it. Because on a whiskey night, the old pool holster was still lined up on the eight ball, even if he's shooting with a rope. And he shoots the poor girl in her brain. And the other girl is still fresh. He is contagious now. Her ping balls are drowning in dark violet. And he sees it in her 
eyes from an arm's length, clear and then blurry, clear and then blurry. Down the sights of his little 38. And this time he was distracted in the fullness and he almost missed when he shot her in the face. Never ends up as good as you'd imagined it. Charles Meach murdered Dean Kimmler, Vijay Sylvester, Rachel Phillips, and Sabrina Imlech. By the end of 1982, Meach was sentenced to 396 years in prison. Similar to the manual Dante DeVoe wrote, Meach wrote a paper called How to Survive a Multidisciplinary Meeting, detailing how to con the institutional professionals, which prompted Governor Jay Hammond to request revisions to mental illness laws. Instead of not guilty because of mental disease or illness, the Alaska law now states guilty but mentally ill. If deemed healthy, the inmate will serve their sentence in prison. As for Russian Jack Springs, there have been multiple unrelated murders and assaults throughout the glamour spot. The most recent being of a 56-year-old man that was discovered at his campsite deceased with traumatic injuries. The case is open and ongoing. Find us online at TC49 Podcast. See show notes for more information.